Iconic makeup artist. Beauty industry revolutionary. Entrepreneur. Bobby Brown is all these things and so much more. Throughout her career, she has crossed paths with some of the most accomplished people at the top of their field. These conversations are a look into their inspiring lives because everyone has a story. This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown. Russ and Daughters on the Lower East Side is a New York City institution. Opened in 1914 by Joel Russ, a Jewish immigrant, Russ and Daughters is a New York tradition. People line up around the block to get a taste of everything from their lox, their bagels, their cream cheese, their candy, their caviar. Going into Russ and Daughters is like real New York. You never know who you're going to see when you go in there, but you will know that you will leave with a full tummy. It's delicious. Probably 100 years after it first was a well-known, basically, deli counter, has now grown into a cafe, an offshoot restaurant in the Jewish Museum, and now a bakery in Brooklyn. Nikki Russ is New York culinary royalty. She is the great-granddaughter of the founder of Russ and Daughters. And by the way, Russ and Daughters was her great-grandfather and his three daughters, way before we knew what feminism was. My guest on the podcast today is Nikki Russ. It's so nice to see you, Nikki. Hi, Bobby. I'm trying to remember the first time I met you. I know it had something to do with uh, Yom Kippur, um, and I've been ordering my Yom Kippur meal, me and how many other people? I think I once arrived at Russ and Daughters to pick up the food, and you were on number 546. Like, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. And it goes up to a thousand and then we go, we start at zero and it, it starts all over again. Oh my God. It's unbelievable. But everyone's always in a really good mood, which is crazy. People are just so happy. It's part of the, you know, the holiday is to just stand there at Russ and Daughters for four hours. It, it, people will say, you know, we'll tell them you can order in advance. You can do these things to make it quote unquote more convenient. And um, time after time, people will say, what are you kidding? Are you kidding me? I have to take a number. I have to wait. It's this tradition. This is my ritual. Uh, it's tradition. It's yeah. a way for people to come together in the real world, you know, and 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 mix. But it's very funny because on Houston, um, there are probably about, you know, 25 or 30 limos outside with the people coming in to get their food. Yeah, it's amazing how this small little shop on the Lower East Side can have so many people come in and out, and um, it's an incredible like microcosm of New York. So Russ and Daughters was founded by your grandfather or your great grandfather. Russ and Daughters was founded by my great grandfather. Your great grandfather um, uh, over one hundred and five years ago. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And in the same location. So, well, we actually, it, it, the story actually starts in 1907. My great-grandfather arrived and, uh, you know, classic immigrant story. He had nothing. He um, just stood on the streets of the Lower East Side selling herring, first out of a barrel. Where did um, he get the herring from? Well, herring was a just a very basic food for, you know, other poor immigrants at the time. Um because you could feed a family for two days from one fish. Mm -hmm. So um, he first just 
you know, had a barrel of herring. Then he got a push cart. Wait, so just wait before just the barrel. So yeah. he had a barrel. Yeah. Where did he get the barrel and where did he get the herring? Did he catch the herring? No, no. He would go to like the um, the fish brokers to get the, the herring. Um, his sister, who had arrived in this country before him, bought him the first barrel that he used. And um, then he, you know, worked his way up. He got a, a push cart. He got a, then a horse and wagon. And it took him seven years to be able to open up a shop. And so we date ourselves from the store opening, which was 1914. Right. And, um, you know, originally it was just around the corner from where it is today. But it's the East House and Street shop has been there now since 1920. Wow. Yeah. That's it's amazing. So every year, you know, I look forward to this party and coming. And I remember the first time I came, I met you guys because I brought lip glosses for all the girls there. They were so excited. And then you came to my house for dinner, which was a big deal. It was a big deal for me. Um, I wish I could go every year. Aww. That's our, you know, kind of annual what? family gathering. So, yeah. But one year I, I, one got, year you, I skipped out. Come. And I it was amazing for me to see, you know, this other side of of you and your family, but also just the the diversity of people you had gathered there. Because I don't have a lot of Jews that come to my Yom Kippur, which is kind of funny. It's just become a thing. I think because it's one of the holidays, I don't actually have to cook anything. Right. So, you know, you literally just, you know, make these beautiful spreads and we just started inviting people and we have very eclectic random friends. So at our Yom Kippur, Yogi Berra was there. Cory Booker was Corey there. Cory Booker was there. Gail King has been there. Like, it's been a very interesting, eclectic, you know, thing. And we actually started serving um, briskets every year because Yogi said, what? I came to dinner and all I'm getting is fish? Right. So, <laughs> like, I thought this was Jew food. Yeah, exactly. The, <laughs> so we, we, we still, in his honor, make brisket every year. That's a good new yeah. tradition. Yeah. I approve of that. So for those guys that are listening that have no idea what Yom Kippur is, can you even, like, can you even tell us what it is? So Yom Kippur is one of the considered the kind of high Jewish holiday, and it's the Day of Atonement. And it follows another holiday called Rosh Hashanah, which is the start of the Jewish New Year. So whereas Rosh Hashanah is about celebrating and you know having a sweet New Year, Yom Kippur is a day where, um, in theory, you are um, atoning, you're fasting. Do you You're, fast? I don't fast because I am working so hard that time of year. I and just, I don't fast because I don't do anything wrong. Right. Year, okay. Yeah. Because I, I mean, no, actually, I have a surrogate. And I'm have, not kidding. I have a surrogate. Who yeah, my fasts kids. For you? She fasts for me every year. She's Irish, uh, Raven, who was the kids' babysitter growing up, and she fasts every year. She's the surrogate. Wow. Yeah. I would have to fast for like <laughs> weeks on end. <laughs> to its own um so uh at the end of the the day you're supposed to break the fast or break fast and the foods that my family um, makes and serves at Russ and Daughters are the quintessential Yom Kippur food because if you think of smoked fish uh herring bagels babkas um all these spreads cream cheeses and white fish salad all these foods are um ready to eat so in theory, you can just put them out and everyone can go to town and there's no, you know, cooking or real prep necessary in the moment when everyone's but having it's, a But it's not just the holiday. I mean, Russ and Daughters is busy six days a week. 
It's closed on Sa- Saturdays. No, <gasps> no, we're, it's no, not. At, no, oh. Saturdays is a line around the corner. Oh, okay, we're, right. so we're open seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but we now maybe you're thinking of the at our we have a Russendars at the Jewish Museum on the Upper East Side, and we're closed on Saturday there. Ah. but we run a special. Saturday brunch. Right, but you have to call ahead. You have to know yeah, someone. I was there once. I almost texted you, but I didn't. <laughs> you should have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. But so so it was founded by your great-grandfather. And how many of your – was your grandfather in the business then and then your father? So it's um, Russ and daughters because my great-grandfather didn't have any sons. He had three daughters, Hattie, Ida, and Anne. And Anne is my grandmother. Um, she, um, passed away just in September at 97, Um. but the, you know, he, to his, uh, at the, in the beginning, he brought his daughters to work because honestly he had no choice. He just needed cheap help. Uh Um, and he wasn't uh, ahead of his time trying to be with the women's He wasn't, he wasn't ahead of his time, although he was because, um, in the 30s, he changed the name of his business, and he renamed it Russ and Daughters. He made his three daughters his partners. Hmm. And this it's the first business in this country with and daughters in its name. Wow. So even though I don't think he knew the word feminist or right. he wouldn't ascribe to being a feminist, he actually was really pioneering and controversial. It was People genuinely gave him a hard time because they thought he hmm. was just making he was ruining his his good business with you know with that name so um my grandmother and her sisters ran it um their husbands came in and you know helped so they were the second generation my father and mother ran it for 30 years and now my cousin josh and i are the fourth generation so and has there been any of the Russes that have not gone into the business? Yeah, plenty. I mean, it's actually Josh and I like to joke that the success to a, a long-standing family business is you actually, you know, limit the number of family members in it. Uh-huh. Um, so in our in our generation, we have six other cousins, and we're the only ones who um, stepped up to do it. But you weren't always in the family business. You had some other careers. Yeah, I had some, you know, multiple yeah. lives. Yeah, so what, what did you do before? I worked um, in the art world. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked at the UN. I worked for a couple nonprofits. I went to business school. I dropped out of business school. I taught yoga. I didn't uh, you know, know that. Yeah, I, um, you know, I kind of, and now I, looking back, I can see that I was sort of, having to check these things off of my list. Um, in the moment, it just felt like, oh, I have no clue. And mm. <laughs> life felt very disjointed. But um, I think I needed to know what all my possible lives could have been mm-hmm. um, to be able to then come to the bottom of the list and realize, wait, actually, you know, keeping a 105-year-old family business alive is actually what I'm supposed to do and it's meaningful and also not just that but I realized that actually there was so much potential that it was a really engaging endeavor didn't have to just stay the same but you also are the visionary that brought it really modernized it so it's not just the you know the one incredibly beautiful uh you know spot where Mm -hmm. everyone comes to get their food now there's there's a restaurant. 
um, Rasmdar's Cafe. Mm-hmm. And there's a up on the Upper East Side, uh, we opened a, a store and a restaurant inside the Jewish Museum. It's so cool. If, if you yeah. guys have never been to the Jewish Museum, they do a great job. They're it's so modern. It's the it's I felt a we felt a synergy doing it with them because the Jewish Museum and Rosendars are both these kind of like hundred plus year old New York institutions that are were both kind of obviously rooted in history but kind of modern modern and how you do those two things at the same time is you know what what we're trying to do um, yeah the Jewish Museum is great we have a bakery now Bob you have to come uh-huh. in Brooklyn at the Brooklyn Navy Yard and it's so fun because it's the bakery's on full view so you can come and watch us you know uh bake bagels and twist challah and put bake you know babka in the oven and then you the shop is right next to it so you get to eat it right after it's made do you eat a bagel every day i do I can't. I can't. I I'm like can't. the anti-gluten. It's crazy. Ambassador. I can't. I mean, I actually I should say I'm no. I'm fully the you know pro-gluten ambassador. I should say. Yeah. No. It's it's crazy. I just I cannot eat bagels. I pass out. I just fall asleep. Yeah. I brought you yeah. a bunch, but you'll you know you'll spread well, them around. I yeah. scoop them out. You know you have to do all that. But you know, lock smoked salmon is very. It's health food now. That's right. Yeah. Omega three. It it's, it's all the omegas. Yeah. Yeah. So after, yeah, so literally for a hundred years, there was just this tiny store on the Lower East Side. And then um, in the last five years, we've really sort of opened up and just really, you know, we give people more space to come and have this food and um, experience, you know, Russ and Daughters. Do you have any future growth plans? Like, would you you know, are you opening in other places besides New York? We get we get asked all the time. I'm sure. Um, we just came back uh, about a month ago. We did a pop-up in L.A. Mm. And um, the line wrapped around <laughs> a full city block two times. Wow. And people waited for hours. Like, I think the people started showing up at 5.45 in the morning. We didn't open till wow. 8. Um, it was kind of uh, – it was incredible because – of the enthusiasm, you know, and every literally every single person asked, you know, when are you opening and bringing Russ and Daughters to L.A.? So the, you know, the, the demand is there. We ship all over the country every day. And we'll see, you know, it's this it's this balancing act of like not wanting to preserve, you know, the magic of this, mm-hmm. the store, the food, the legacy, but then find ways that it can continue to grow without, you know, in a way that's, it's not going to implode. Right. And, and and it doesn't affect your life. I mean, you know, you're a mom, you have two kids. Yeah. So how do you, how do you manage running Russ and Daughters and raising these kids? Not very well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. We all, we it's, all manage, yeah, we, we all, all manage somehow. somehow manage to we do all, it. We all do. Yeah. Um, um, you know, luckily my parents, mm-hmm. um, they retired from Russ and Daughters, but then they're kind of helping to keep the next generation uh, going. So they're really helpful with my kids. And um, it's just, you know, every day is a little mashugana, as we say, right? It's just a little crazy to 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 juggle those things. Um, what Part of what keeps me going is that I know that what the work I'm doing now 
and the decisions I make are hopefully so that Russ and Daughters will be around for the next generation, whether that's my kid or, you know, one of the other, their mm-hmm. cousins or um, hopefully someone in the family will will think that Russ and Daughters is meaningful work for them. So knowing that and knowing like I'm in this for the long run, Russ and Daughters is in it for the long run, it kind of in a way balances, like it keeps me from burning out, I think. But I have to pace myself. And there's other businesses, other restaurants that sell smoked fish and bagels. Why do you think Russ and Daughters is so above everyone else in quality and in everything? Why? It's the it's that continuity, 105 years of of um, of expertise and that continuity of taste, the continuity of the customers who've been coming for you know, 30, 40, 50, however many years. Um, That history is something you taste in the food. And um, people come to us and ours, they eat our food because they want to connect with some some other, either, you know, a memory or it, it helps them identify who they are or remember where they come from. So it's a, it's, this is food with, you know, with real meaning. It's not just it, and it's delicious, but there's a whole other level that happens there. And if I was to come to your house today and opened up your refrigerator, what would I find from Russ and Daughters or not? Oh, um, you would uh, find actually. There's some herring in my fridge right now, some pickled herring because my husband loves it. Um, there's some smoked salmon because my kids inhale it. Um, there is um, some bagels in the fr- – I shouldn't say this. Bagels in the freezer. Ah. <laughs> yeah, in the freezer because you never know, like, if I'm not at work and I can't get them made that day. I have them. Do you have a favorite flavor? Um, I, ha- I, I mean, everything bagel just has, you know, it hits all the notes. I, I have everything bagel seasoning I get from Trader Joe's. Oh, well <laughs> – you, we, I, I just, just put that I in have, my hand. I have, we have, we go through so, because we bake, yeah. you know, literally every day we're making, on a, on a normal kind of, normal day we make 250 dozen bagels. 250 it, dozen bagels. Dozen. Oh my God. But then it can go up to like 500, 600. Uh-huh. Um, so we go through so many wow. seeds. So we literally like in our bakery, you, you'll see we have these huge canisters that are like seven feet tall with just you know a silo of sesame seeds one of you know poppy seeds so um yeah so everything bagel sesame seeds poppy seeds garlic salt onion and onion yeah okay yeah that's uh what's your favorite thing on the menu my favorite thing is the most classic which is a bagel with cream cheese and probably you know one of our smoked salmons because for me that's just that bagel knocks is like just, you know, my life wrapped up in a bite. So um, that's that's always what I'll gravitate towards. And you guys are also known for your caviar, though. We are, yeah. yeah. So you were talking about the holidays. New Year's is another crazy time for us. We literally, um, so we're one of, yeah, we literally have a caviar express line because we are we go through, we pack, hand pack and sell so much caviar that we have a special line for caviar customers and we literally can't keep up. Um, but it's another fun time 
And I think it's, you know, caviar is, it's a, obviously a, it's a luxury food, but I think people have realized that if it's the difference between going out for an overpriced dinner mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe entertaining at home with, you know, in a more intimate setting, that it is kind of a great thing to do. And how many different kinds of caviar is there? So we, our menu changes because caviar is such a finicky, perishable um, item. So every season we literally like go out and we determine what we think is the running the best. And so our menu can be maybe four, five, six different kinds. Um, and it runs the gamut. You know, you can get a tin of caviar for 50 bucks. You could get that same size tin you know, for 200 bucks, and then it goes And what's there. the difference of a $50 and a $200 caviar? Well, it's, you know, that's the size of the, the fish that's producing it, how long it takes, and then that results in how big that beet is, the complexity of the flavor it gives you, um, that sort of delicious sort of bold body, um, nutty quality. Um, so you just get a very, you get a deeper experience with a, you know, larger, more mature fish. And some are more, you know, some are wild, some are um, being sustainably harvested. So it's, it's all these things coming together. So where do you like to go to dinner besides Russ and Daughters? Like, you know, when you go out with your husband and you just, like, what kind of food do you like? Um, oh, anywhere that I, one like one nice thing about being in the food world is knowing so many other um restaurateurs or chefs or you know servers whoever it is and so I always will pick a restaurant where I am I know someone Mm. because for me at the end of the day I want delicious food but I also want it it's about the people and you know um so um like lately I I mean I love um Celestine in Brooklyn which is delicious food um but also gives you this amazing view of the city. Do you live in Brooklyn? I live in Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. That's why you opened the new restaurant in Brooklyn? Just for selfish yeah. reasons to be close by. I yeah. mean, it, the, my kids live there now. So yeah. I will, yeah, they're just moving into their new place. So um, I'll be there more. Yeah. Well, besides having a better commute, the, the, yeah. the where we are at the Brooklyn Navy Yard, it's, it's this incredible piece of New York um, that has 200 years of history. So, you know, sh- there's so much shipbuilding that happened there and industry and when we walked into our space we realized like oh you just you feel living history there in the same way that I think you feel it when you come into Russ and Daughters um and we had the opportunity to build 18,000 square feet which you know Russ and Daughters you know how small our other spaces are um so we had a chance to kind of build um a place where we can hopefully continue to grow for you know the next generation so besides smoked fish, mm-hmm. uh, bagels, caviar, you also have like a wide selection of the most amazing candies. Yeah. we there, So there's a side to our shop that we call the candy side because back in the day, and I remember this as a kid, you know, there was, it was, this whole side of the store was just hard, these kind of shelves of different kinds of hard sucking candies because this was you know you go to any jewish grandmother and like, there's always a bowl of you know hard candies um that we don't have so much anymore but we still refer to it as as the candy side and you have this mix of 
these all the sweets, everything we have is really, you know, old school, but so there's a reason that it's there. But it really appeals to everyone. I think the sweet helps with the salty. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of a one. funny thing. I love watching people come into Russ and Daughters for the first time who've never been there and they look to one side and they see all these, you know, all this smoked fish and pickles and herrings and and then they look to the other side and they see, you know, these like see babka and and candies and dried fruit and there's kind of like this perplexed look on their face like, "Huh? How do these two things go together?" But um but they do. It's and very yin and yang. Yes. Yeah. So you can get lox and cream cheese and bagels anywhere. What makes it so much better at Russ and Daughters? What's the secret? Well, that we still do it the same way that we always have. So we don't cut any corners. So you're right. You can get a bagel at any corner store. But, um, you know, that bagel, unfortunately, New York bagels, as famous as they are, they've actually become quite kind of mass-produced um, and made with kind of cheap ingredients and made very quickly. Um, if you come to our bakery at the Navy, at the Brooklyn Navy Yard, you'll see a process that literally takes two days. It takes us two days to make one bagel um, because of the, you know, the time it takes for us to proof the dough, meaning like letting it, making the dough, letting it sit, activating the yeast, um, then boiling it, baking it. Um, there are lots of ways to cut corners, and we don't cut corners. You know, the cream cheese is all natural, so you taste that. Um, it doesn't have the the gums and the preservatives that you'd find in, mm. you know, the whatever you'd pick off the, you know, supermarket shelf. Um, you know, the, the smoked salmon, we still have, you know, it's still smoked for specifications that my great-grandfather gave. Um, we still slice everything by hand. Hmm. So the quality of smoked salmon, so much of it is, comes from the, the expertise of the person slicing it. Um, and it's, you can never get that flavor from, you know, a pack that you just pull off of a, you know, a vacuum-sealed pack. Um, so all of these, this, this insistence on continuing it to, to do it the right way, which a lot of times means it takes us a lot longer. It's a you know, uh, but we we don't we don't cut cut those corners. Right. Could you freeze locks? You can, you can, but we we don't. You know, if you walk into our shop and we won't vacuum seal it. You know, mm -hmm. we want people to eat it within, you know, a week or a week and a half. And um, How long does it last once you bring it home? About that long, about a week mm -hmm. and a half. Um, you can freeze it. Um, and, you know, we have some people who are traveling with it, so they want to freeze it. Um, we won't, you know, we won't say no, but. Probably not as good yeah, as eating it fresh. Yeah, exactly. So do you make everything there? Like, do you make cream cheese there? So at our, um, we make as much as we can. And um, now at the Brooklyn Navy Yard location, we can, we've con we have a big kitchen. So we can, you know, every day we're making, I don't even want so much white fish salad and chopped liver and cream cheese and um, bagels. Like basically as much as we can, uh, we make our, we make ourselves. And could you eat anything you want or do you have to watch your diet? I can. Um, I actually can eat everything. I should eat everything, right? I kind of, that's 
the part of my job is just tasting my way through our, you know, our menu and making sure it all still tastes the same. So um, I'm always eating. I just came from our restaurant, Rosadar's Cafe, and I just had. What'd you eat? What was I had, lunch? I had kasha varnishkas with a poached egg. I had. Tell, tell everyone what kashka varnish is. So this knows. is like very also, it's like Jewish soul, like comfort food. It's um, buckwheat with a um, bow tie pasta, and we put a poached egg on top. It's really more like winter food, mm-hmm. so sort of incongruous with the weather today, but um, uh, it's just very comforting. And I had a big platter of smoked fish. We call it, the, that platter is called the Anne in honor of my grandmother. Yeah. Um, I had a chopped salad. I was with some other people, so you know I didn't eat all of this myself. Uh-huh. And um, a cherry shrub. Shrub is we make these um, drinks that are kind of like the original soda. Do you know about shrubs? No, I do not. So, like, so before soda became really mass produced, you would add a little bit of vinegar to a fruit juice, and that would give it kind of that poppy, fizzy, almost mm-hmm. carbonated quality. Um, and so we make uh, cherry shrubs and beet shrubs. Mango shrubs. Oh, cool. They're delicious. And that's only in the Brooklyn location, right? That's at our that's at the, our restaurant on uh on Orchard Street, Rosendar's Cafe. Um that's where that's where I was. That's where you are, yeah. okay. So I move around. Now. And what are you making for dinner tonight? Oh, like do you Bobby, go home and I have haven't to... even thought about really? this? <laughs> so no, because after spending your whole day with food and then you go home. Yeah. It's do you tough. make dinner? I'm like that you know, the chefs who eat like, you know, a bag of potato chips for dinner because you're thinking about food, you're surrounded by food yeah. all day. And at the you know, so when you're home, you're like, um, tonight actually, I just remembered, I my parents are taking care of my kids, so okay. I will mooch off of whatever they're eating. Okay. You know, so th- no, I know it's not glamorous, but <laughs> no, no, but but seriously, do you make dinner often? Um, I'll, I leave it to my husband to okay. do more than I do. Yeah. yeah. Is he a good just, cook? He's good. Yeah. He's good. Yeah. And, He's not in my world, so for yeah. him, you know, it's. And what does he do a, again? He's a psychotherapist. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it's very yin and yang too. Yeah. You know, my my work is so public, mm-hmm. and I'm in I'm, meet, you know, so like meeting with people, talking to them. I hear people's stories all day long, in a very different way than yeah. he does. Yeah. And you also have been very well published. I mean, you're written up in every single, you know, Vogue and all these amazing magazines constantly. It's it's incredible. I think it speaks to the place that Rosendars holds for so many people because mm. we don't go out looking for it. Right. Um, I think, you know, obviously food is is uh, it's hot and you know it's it's. Uh, exciting but i think also the fact that a place like russ and daughters in in a city like new york the fact that it stays it's still there and um it's sort of like this old school new school confluence Mm -hmm. um that i think is harder and harder to find and now there was a a movie yeah so was that a so a documentary Mm -hmm. did you guys do it or did someone come to you the filmmaker Julie Cohen came to us, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's called the Sturgeon Queens. And a 
little bit of trivia is that so in one of the she interviewed customers of ours, some very famous, some, you know, just quote unquote normal people. Uh, one of the people she interviewed was Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Justice mm-hmm. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh, who's just a very, normal just people, normal, right? Just normal. Just very good. Yeah. Um, Another nice, short, dark-haired Jew. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> In our club. Yes, exactly. <laughs> there is a club of us five foot tall. Well, you're taller than five foot. Just by an inch, probably. Oh, so I'll so join tall. the club. Okay. Um, but um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg... Um, agreed to be interviewed to wow. talk about what rust daughters and meant this food to meant to her. Aww. And there's, she talks about actually that as a young girl, because she was the daughter of immigrants from the Lower East Side, that looking up at the name in the neon, you know, sign that says rust and daughters, she said before she ever knew the word feminist, that seeing that name huh. had a profound impact on her to see a business where the women mattered as much as the men. I've seen cool. this film like a thousand times. It always gets me, you know, wow. I always get choked up. Um, Julie Cohen, by, make, by getting to interview the justice for the Sturgeon Queens, went on to make RBG. Wow. So she, wow. it was oh, their, their love, shared love of, oh. you know, smoked fish that yeah. connected them. And Julie went on to make this, you know, amazing Oscar nominated so cool. documentary about the ju- justice. Wow. What yeah. a great story. That yeah, is a who great truth. <laughs> See, you never know. You must have a lot of like crazy famous people that come in. Like, Literally every day. Yeah. Like who, who is, you know. But it's like who hasn't, who hasn't been there. Robert like, De Niro. Like literally, who hasn't been there? I mean, I, we're, we don't give out names because literally, every day, it's yeah. But I think that that is part of what makes Russell Daughter special is that you can walk into the store, you can walk into the cafe, and you look around, and you're going to see some A-lister next to some you know neighborhood person next to a family that has been coming there for three generations, and it's this very democratic. Hamish mm-hmm. feel. Hamish means like in Yiddish, Hamish means like homey. Good, homey. Good, homey, comfortable. Um, and everyone's there and everyone's like having just, yeah, feeling at home. It's their place. People feel like a weird sense of, not weird, a really Im- incredible sense of ownership of Russ and Daughters. Well, you also have a lot of long-term employees, people that have been with you for their whole life practically. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, some of the our staff at the store have been I'm 41 and they've been there for longer than I've been alive wow yeah that's so cool so that's uh you don't get that you know well it says a lot the way you run your business thank you yeah do you get a lot of you know people from the old country that come in I mean we get people visitors from all over the world um so you get people from eastern Europe Europe coming and in a way it's more like a curiosity or like oh this is this is New York food um I don't know even how aware they are of right. like our you know our roots and then um yeah and everyone you know people come in and, oh you got to open in you know you got to bring this to Tel Aviv you got to bring this to you know London and everyone has a they want a Russ and Daughters near them so it's kind of funny. Yeah. And is it, there's a cookbook, right? A couple. Um, well, there's a, my father wrote a book that has recipes and it's like a memoir. 
it's really it's a wonderful look back on the history of Russ and Daughters. Um, and and Josh and I are actually gonna we're actually starting to get to work very soon on a Russ and Daughters cookbook. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, so really look cool. out for that. Well, your content is beautiful. Your Instagram is amazing. So how could people find you on follow you what you guys are doing? What's, um, what's the Instagram? Russ and Daughters. Wow, that's that's so very unique. Creative. Okay. Um yeah. And um You have a website. We have a website, russanddaughters.com. If you're not in New York, we can send Russ and Daughters to you wherever you are in the States. Um and it really does come you can you feel it in your when you're eating it as if you're in the store. Yeah. Very cool. So anything else you want to do? Like anything else that you haven't done that, you know, with your business? I, I would love to tell the stories um, of other family food legacies because we're, we're a very small club. Like who else? I mean, all, the club. There, there are places all over the world, mm-hmm. you know, families who have just stayed true to making, whether it's their pasta or, you know, running their little restaurant. or And these places, I think, are incredibly um special in the fabric of you mm-hmm. know of communities and what's meaningful and um so i would like to to connect with more of them and tell their stories um and russ and daughters i you know i want us to be around for another 105 years so i want to be good enough at running it with my cousin that we uh we don't mess it up. I don't think you will. <laughs> now, is your cousin a girl? No, he's a guy. He's a guy. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you're the only girl right now. This is true. Okay. All yeah. right. So, All right. Um, so yeah, it'd be, you know, if we had to change the name, it'd be Russ and great grandkids, which would be too <laughs> no, long. It's Russ, it's Russ and daughters. It's Russ and daughters. Yeah. Well, I'm really proud of you. I think you're sweet, adorable, cool, smart. And um, I can't wait to see what else happens with Russ and Daughters. Thanks, Bobby. This yeah. is great. And I'm hungry. I can't wait to get into that bag. Thank you. Thanks. That was my conversation with Nikki Russ. I love how she's taking an old tradition and really bringing it into the modern day. And that's it for this episode of Long Story Short. If you like the show, tell a friend. Also, rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for me, email them to askbobbybrown at gmail.com or you can follow me on Instagram at justbobbybrown and let me know who you'd like me to interview, anything else you want to see. Thanks for listening. This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown, a Gallery Media Group production.